Coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, is the game against the Pelicans actually one they should have gotten a victory in? Also, they go 0-2 with the other game that they had on Sunday against the Philadelphia 76ers. Devontae Graham is a stud. Cody Martin shows some sign of life on offense. And this... I just go up to random strangers uh, sometimes and say, have you seen the Knicks lately? They stink. I told you. They're like, "Uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. Perhaps a little reality check the Hornets gave us this weekend. They did have a record over 500, and I felt like maybe this was a legitimate basketball team. And then they got to a 500 record, and then they lost to the Pelicans this weekend. We already had the Boston Celtics episode. They lost to the Pelicans. Then they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. Kind of in not necessarily the Minnesota Timberwolves way of losing, right, where you just get destroyed in the second half and don't have any chance to come back, but more along the lines of, you know, being there against the Pelicans for majority of that game, only losing by five points at the end. Philadelphia was fun at the end of that game because PJ and Devonte, I believe hit a couple threes. I know Devonte hit that one that was able to bring it to five. And then they decide not to foul uh, for a long time. They were playing keep away. Eventually the 76ers would separate themselves at the end once again, but two losses, the Pelicans game, that was one maybe you could ask for a victory there. Like that's one that the Hornets, I don't know if they should have won, but you could have asked for one right there. Don't know if you could have asked, or asked for one the second night of a back-to-back on the road against one of the better teams in the NBA in Philadelphia. Uh, we're starting to figure out some things about this team, Doug. Ten games in now, four and six record for the Hornets. Can't imagine a lot of people would have said at the beginning of the season they're going to have four victories in their first ten games of the season and had a chance for uh, at least one more against the Pelicans. So overall, past my expectations coming into the season. Yeah, I think so. Mine too. I mean, they they've come in with a, a lot of energy and a lot of intensity, and you've had uh, some star performances from Devonte Graham a surprise uh, rookie performance from P.J. Washington. And I think Terry Rozier has had his ups and downs, but but he's fitting in at least. I mean, I feel like he he has not been a complete uh, disaster, and that's, that's how I would characterize this entire team. They have not been a complete <laughs> disaster. It's clear uh, that the, the things that J.B. is trying to install with this team are, are being installed to the best of this team's ability but they clearly don't have the talent to win certain basketball games. Just going to that New Orleans Pelicans game, I thought that was the first game that they should have won, that you felt like they were going to win, and they didn't win. And I'm curious as to why you think they didn't win that basketball Yeah, well, game. I just think against the, well, against the Pelicans, nobody shot the ball particularly well. I mean, they put up 110 points, but you look at the starting five. Again, we've had big problems with the starting five, but Washington goes three of nine. Bridges goes five of 11. Cody goes four of seven, but again, only four made field goals. And that was the, the, the little stretch that he had that wasn't very good got ended in that Philadelphia game where he actually was very good against, again, Joel Embiid, who he's performed pretty well against in the past. Five of 14 for Terry, five of 11 for Dwayne Bacon, and even Devontae Graham, who has been very good this year, five of 14 for him. Like just... There's just a lot of missed shots in this basketball game. You look at their overall field goal percentage. It was just at 41%. Couldn't shoot from three. Like they've certainly cooled off big time 
from long range. And I don't think anybody expected them to continue that, but they certainly have not shot nearly as well as they did at the beginning of the season. So I, I just think they were missing a lot of shots. You look at the turnovers, it continues to be a problem. You know, they had 21 turnovers, even though the Pelicans had 26. So they did have five more. I just, yeah, I just think that there were a lot of missed shots against New Orleans. Yeah, the Pelicans came into this game one and seven. Uh, they were absolutely miserable coming into this game. And then they don't even have Lonzo Ball. They don't have their point guard. That's a big piece of talent that the Pelicans were missing. And, and, they, and it clearly showed in those 26 turnovers for 31 Hornets points. I mean, if the Hornets make, I don't know, six, seven less turnovers, I think they win this basketball game. I mean, there was a particular stretch in the fourth quarter uh, about six minutes ago. You know, Bridges has that huge block on favors. That gets it into transition. Rozier forces his way past Josh Hart, and he passes to Bacon for the slam. That put them up two points, 95-93. But then after that, Miles makes a bad decision, turnover. Miles makes a bad baby hook that ends up uh, being a score on the other end for the Pelicans. And then the big play, 344 left in this game, and they allow the Pelicans to get four offensive rebounds and, and the Pelicans then go up 98-95. After that, they put a 10-0 run together led by Brandon Ingram. And so, you know, I think when you look at this game, they probably should have won, especially when you look at the turnover number for the Pelicans. But rebounding, been a problem all season for the Hornets. They let that get to them. And then also, I think you're going to see games like this against the Hornets where they probably should win a game, but then one team, the, the opposing team has one player, like a Brandon Ingram, who can just absolutely take over at the end of a game and knock the Hornets out. And the Hornets just simply don't have that player. The, the, probably the closest they have to that right now is Devontae Graham, which is pretty insane to say. But he's the closest that the Hornets have to a knockout punch. And Brandon Ingram was absolutely a knockout punch. He was a mismatch. And then if you go ahead to the Philadelphia game, same thing. Uh, you had Al Horford on P.J. Washington. You had um, Joel Embiid on, uh, you know, just dominating Zeller and Biombo. So you're just going to have that this year where the Hornets, they're fighting hard. They're trying hard, but they just simply don't have that, that one or two pieces of talent that they need to win these type of basketball games. Man, you mentioned Brandon Ingram, though. I mean, it's funny. As we say, yeah, Devontae Graham is that guy that can maybe take over for the Hornets, and that's con considered pretty ridiculous, and certainly that we're mentioning it right now but Brandon Ingram it could have been said the same way for him because here's somebody that has been extremely oh, sure. good and a lot of people were probably on their way out of the Ingram bandwagon I don't even know if it existed but it certainly exists right now the way he's playing how about his last three games going for 25 27 and 40 against Brooklyn three games ago they are losing kind of Devin Booker-esque for you, Doug. So I wonder if you have some comparisons between Ingram and Booker in that regard, but he is shooting from a high, per a high percentage from both two-point range and three-point range. I mean, Ingram's, I, Ingram's been really good offensively, man. Like, you look at these numbers, th they're crazy good. And finally reaching the potential of a second overall pick, by the way, a Mitch Kupchak draft pick that is now playing with the Pelicans. So Ingram's playing very... Yeah. No, I don't think... Uh, yeah, no, I don't think he's Devin Booker-esque right now. I mean, you know... I think he's doing things that he's trying to win basketball games. I mean, this team is without Zion right now. They're waiting to get him back to kind of be whole again. Um, you know, I, I'm disappointed most in this season so far with Drew Holiday. I just thought he would play a lot better than he has. He was 0-5 from beyond the arc in this one. I, I thought he would be more of an impact player for this basketball team. But, yeah, just a fourth-quarter takeover against the New Orleans Pelicans, and they lose this basketball Let's game. talk about Devontae Graham a little bit more before we take the first break. I, I think I had the question – 
on the wake-up call today. After 10 games into the season, what is your adjusted ceiling for Devontae now? Because the guy is playing a lot better than we originally thought he would. I mean, nobody saw this coming from Devontae, where he's probably the best player for the Hornets right now. I mean, Cody Zeller has certainly been very good until that stretch that he had, like we said, he probably had three, four games where even Borrego mentioned it, I believe in post game of the 76ers contest where he said Cody was limited in not getting a whole lot of minutes because we would run with biz a couple of times when he got hot. So Devonte Graham, I think he's been the best player for the Hornets. Do you have an adjusted ceiling from what you've seen so far? Oh, I don't think he's been the best player for the Hornets. He certainly has oh, been the best it. player for the Hornets. It's been his his shooting has been a little inconsistent. He's been on and off when it comes to kind of his outside shooting, but he's just making plays for other people as well, averaging uh, almost 18 points a game on 40% shooting, 42% from 3. It just hasn't again, it just hasn't been consistent. He's been either red hot or ice cold. Uh, night in to, to night out. And then 7.6 assists. I mean, that's been the big thing. He's made P.J. Washington better when, when they're on the floor together. I think he makes Terry Rozier better when they're on the floor together. And you just like how how decisive he is with the basketball. And he makes defenses think a little bit more than I think so far Rozier has made them think. And, and I just, I, I think that's extremely surprising. In terms of his ceiling, I don't know. I mean, you know, I thought Lou Williams, you know, I, th- I thought, the, well, OK, maybe he's a maybe he's just a microwave off the bench. But now I'm starting to think is I, I think he could be, you know, a, a good starting point guard in this league. And I think the decision that the Hornets have to make as they continue to evaluate what talent they want to keep long term and maybe what talent they want to go ahead and sell high, maybe make a trade this season to bring in more assets. They have to decide, is Devontae Graham for real, for real? Like, is he going to be a consistent, maybe even star level player in this league? That's a guy you keep. And if not, if they think this is just a flash in the pan, then they may want to look to move him later on. All right, a little bit more on the Philadelphia game coming up next. We have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts and get more Hornets content. Patreon.com slash LOH. We're doing live post-game streams. Doug's taking care of some of the shows afterwards. You get access to our voicemail line and two new weekly bonus podcasts. Let the boys watch. Doug and David talk NBA, Hornets TV, movies. They talk about it all. And the restock. It's hosted by David Walker, and it's your chance to become the sneakerhead you've always wanted to be. Patreon.com slash LOH. Help keep our hive alive and get tons of extra content. More on the Philadelphia game coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I mentioned it earlier. Philly got interesting. Like the second night of a back-to-back going on the road, the Hornets, it was going to be really tough for them to win, but honestly, pretty competitive from Charlotte's standpoint. I was pleased with the way that they played. I feel like you leave this game impressed with the way that the Hornets were able to play. That second quarter was impressive. Borrego mentioned that in the post-game interview with Ashley Shamity last night. You saw the Hornets outscore the 76ers in the second quarter by 14 points and actually go into halftime with the lead. A little shocking there. Third quarter was the difference, and then the fourth quarter, they basically played the same with the way that they came back in the last minute. But the third quarter, outscored by 12 points, and the 76ers end up winning by 8, 114 to 106. Cody Zeller was really good in this one, Doug. And against a guy like Joel Embiid, it makes it all that much more impressive. Still jacking up threes quite a bit. Four three-pointers taken from Cody. 
Two of them he actually hit. Not too many trips to the free throw line, only three shot attempts from the charity stripe. Seven rebounds, so actually the rebound numbers in this game were a little bit further down than you had seen them before. But 24 points, very efficient, and Cody, I think, was the clear best player, at least in that game. Yeah, and it's it's kind of surprising because he did pick up two quick fouls against Joel Embiid and had to go to the bench in favor of Bismack Biombo. And so you wondered if that was just going to completely throw him out of the game. But he, you know, he came back and he played well. You know, Cody Zeller's offense is really it's two pronged at this point. It's it's put back game on offensive rebounding and it's it's three point shooting. And Cody Zeller is going to have a fantastic offensive game if both of those things are happening for him and that's what happened against Philadelphia and you saw Joel Embiid I mean just complete disrespect for Cody Zeller's three-point shot and probably at this point warranted disrespect because Cody Zeller is yet to prove that he can hit that three-point shot consistently he's proven now that he can hit it yeah. I mean, in seasons past he couldn't even prove that he could hit it now he's got to prove that he can hit it consistently and he can have fantastic nights uh, and then his worst nights are when neither of those things are happening. I mean, that's, you know, that's a problem for Cody. He's got to bring energy each night in order to be competent offensively because he has to fight for those points on the offensive boards. He did on this night and, and it helped the Hornets uh, significantly because you saw how pathetic the offense can look at times with Bismack Biombo in the game because it just forces Devontae Graham into some really tough decisions with the pass. You know, I mean, they can, they can really go hard on him on those pick and roll plays and he's got to give it up. And then he looks and he's like, oh God, it's Biz. And you know, the bad things happen when Biz has the ball in his hand sometimes. Yeah, Cody Zeller's played nine games. Remember, he missed the one game earlier because of personal reasons. But he's played nine games. And, Doug, it's weird. The game log, it's split in half but almost, at least. I mean, you look at his October, right, the first four games of the season that he played in October, he's got double-digit field goal attempts in every single one of those games. He's got at least 25 minutes played in every single one of those games. You get to November against Golden State, he plays 20 minutes, only seven field goal attempts. That's the only time until that point that he had gotten single field goal attempts and then five, six, seven, and then boom against Philadelphia. He's got 13 making 10 of them and is playing like he did in October. Like it's like they're trying to figure they're they're trying to figure out exactly what they want Cody Zeller to bring offensively, like you said, every single night. And he had his minutes limited against right. Golden State 20, 17 against the Pacers because Biz got hot at the end and helped turn that game around. Only 19 minutes against the Boston Celtics and probably should have played more in that game against the Celtics. 28 against the Pelicans in 27, so it's back to what we saw the first four games. But kind of a roller coaster year where you split it almost into two, and now it seems like it's back on the rise after what he did against Philadelphia. It, it, do you feel like there's inconsistency there or them just trying to figure out exactly what they want his offensive role to be? Yeah, no, I think there's inconsistency. I think it's both. I mean, I think there are, there's inconsistent energy levels from Cody Zeller on the offensive end uh, in some games. And I also think that he caught some teams off guard with how aggressive he was playing offensively. He caught us off guard in the preseason when yeah. we saw how much of the offense was moving through him. And I think maybe defenses have adjusted to the Hornets play style a little bit in, in that respect. Um, but once again, in the, in the first half and really at the end of the ball game, when they made that crazy 12 hour run, once again, it's the bench players. It's Devonte Graham. It's PJ Washington knocking down threes. It's Malik Monk with these crazy alley-oop jams 
that's what's providing the energy. That's what's providing uh, the offensive boost for this team. It's not the starters. Rozier, once again, getting in foul trouble, and that just completely took him out of his game. You see you see Devontae Graham just making very quick decisions with the basketball. He'll come off that high uh, screen and roll, and, and he's pulling up from three. Sometimes he's knocking it down. Sometimes he's not. Um, but he's doing it enough that it's effective offensively, whereas – uh, Terry Rozier just has to take so long in the possession uh, when he's running the half-court offense to make something happen. It doesn't always go his way, or he picks up an offensive foul, and we saw that against Philadelphia. Uh, so it's just different. When, when Rozier is making quick decisions, when he's pushing the pace, when he's, uh, re- when he's reacting to the defense before the defense has an opportunity to get set, that's when he's been most effective. We just haven't seen enough of that from him. thought we got the best offensive game from Cody Martin by quite a large margin against the Pelicans. Cody, we had talked about just absolutely not knowing what the hell to do with the basketball in his hands. Against the Pelicans, he went four of seven, had nine points. And then against Philadelphia, yeah, he, yeah, showed he had us. a couple of field goals. Well, that's, that's, you know, as much as nine points can show you, uh, it certainly does speak leaps and bounds for him, given what he had uh, displayed offensively in the first few games that he played. But then it quieted down a little bit against Philadelphia, two of three in that one. But at least Cody showed some signs of life offensively, hit a three-pointer against Philadelphia. Like, there are signs. I, I have found life on this Cody Martin planet. So that's good offensively. That was nice to see. Uh, look, we've talked about him a lot. Let's go to Dwayne Bacon, Doug. We've talked about Devonte Graham a lot, deservedly so. Dwayne Bacon, deservedly so in the wrong way. Oh, of six against Philadelphia. Five of 11 against the Pelicans. Devonte Graham, clearly the better basketball player. You mentioned it's pretty easy for you that Devontae's the best player on the Hornets right now. Uh, is it a, it's time, right? Like it's time to put, uh, it's time to put, um, Devontae Graham in the starting lineup? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think maybe, you know, it was it would have been difficult to do that during a winning streak when the Hornets had won three straight to make a change like that. I think now after losing uh, three straight and, you know, you got to head back home now and 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 look at that homestand and, and some winnable games there. But I, I think you got two days. If you did want to make a change, you've got probably a practice day in there to figure some things out. Uh, I think it's time to make the change because – Devonte Graham. Well, one, he's earned it. I think yeah. that's that much is clear. Okay, but but two, he makes other players better, and he makes Terry Rozier better. I'm saying play Devonte Graham alongside Terry Rozier, and then and then put Dwayne Bacon back into the second unit, uh, and he makes PJ Washington better. Uh, I ran some numbers on Twitter. This was before. These numbers were before the games against the Pelicans and the and the Sixers, but I but I guarantee you they're they're either higher or exactly where they are when I looked them up. Um, but through those first eight games, uh, PJ with Graham on the floor, seventy one point one percent effective field goal percentage and a one point three one points per possession. That's very high. When Graham is off the floor, PJ Washington forty eight point five percent effective field goal percentage, one point oh one points per possession so significantly better with Graham on the floor I think Terry Rozier if you looked at his numbers would would be the same thing because it allows Terry to play off ball he seems to be more comfortable playing off ball than he is on ball right now uh, so I, I just think there are so many bonuses to having Devonte Graham in the first unit and whatever negatives there are in the second unit who cares I mean, this, this is the year where you should just try, try to find groups that play well together. It's clear that Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier play well together. And I would like to see Monk at the point. 
I really would in that second unit, right? Like, I think that would make some sense putting Monk and, and because that's what he clearly does best right now. He's just not hitting threes at a high clip. <laughs> it's unfortunate. He was nope. a crazy good shooter at Kentucky, but he's just not shooting. He's a distributor, that's baby. He is. He's not a shooter. You know what? I'm, I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm reframing my brain on Malik Monk. I think that's going to help me through this season. He is, he is somebody that looks to make plays. Now, the problem with putting him at the, at the point, though, Walker, is that his turnovers are very high. Yeah. And those turnovers are coming on playmaking plays like that. It's not He's not losing the ball on a dribble. Uh, these are turnovers that he's just making the wrong pass. Which I'm way more comfortable with than just losing it on a dribble because he's trying to make something happen. And then... It, it, yeah, chaos. It, it, Let's do it. it, it I'm in. Of, it I'm kind in. of is. Right, right. Like, who gives a shit? You know, like, it, it's just all about in the second unit. So, okay, Malik Monk tries to force something in there. Like, all right. You know, the bench has been fun to watch, and so let's let Malik Monk maybe play the role of facilitator with Dwayne Bacon in the second unit. Right. And I'm, I'm cool with those two guys being the guys that control the basketball a little bit more. Because I'll say this real quick. And, you, and you, have, you have Batum coming back as well, Walker. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know exactly when, but when he does come back, he'll take some of those second unit ball handling responsibilities. And Devontae, like Adele mentioned on the broadcast, that Devontae Graham is getting starter minutes. And I, I totally understand that. Um, but what? But my argument is that Devontae Graham play, seems to play better with Terry Rozier on the floor and vice versa, and he seems to make P.J. Washington better. Could he perhaps help Miles Bridges yeah. as well, whose points per shot attempt right now is, is about average? Could he help elevate that uh, playing group? The starters aren't playing well. And, and, and I think it's important for a basketball team, win, lose, draw, whatever, I think the starters should play well. I think your starting unit should come out in the first quarter and the third quarter and set the tone for your team. And it might not result in any more wins for this basketball team, but I think that's an important thing to establish, and I, and I think they have to make that change eventually. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Real quickly, Nick Batum, like, Remember when we said that he should start at the beginning of the season, that that might work better, and then he came out. Look, he got hurt, but God almighty, that was bad. Just, again, non-existent. I'm really interested to see what they'll do with Nick Batum. I, I think they'll work him back in. I think they'll work him back I, in. I, think I mean, they will I, you too, know, but too small, too small. I mean, that's too small a sample no, size is, for me to is, make something. It is, but you know. it was still pretty bad. You're absolutely right. It was a small was sample bad. size, and I don't know if I want to see it again. That's where I'm at. Yeah, we're through. And the thing on Bacon, too, is we're, we're 10 games in. This doesn't, this doesn't feel like a slump anymore. I mean, this feel, this feels like, and I think it would be better for Bacon maybe to to put him into some different playing groups and see if he can make some things happen with some different with some different uh, combinations of players. I think it would help the team overall. It's just this like a very clear gap in play uh, that I think. Why would you let that fester? Why wouldn't you experiment, especially in this season where wins and losses don't matter? All right, more on what we've learned after the first ten games of the season next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillain. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
He's been scribbling like a madman. It's the little black notebook that we've come to know and love, usually in the final segment of shows following the weekend or shows following a basketball game. Doug, what we what can we find as far as just the scribbles that you have in your little black notebook after each of these two contests over the course of the weekend? Yeah, and I've really just been thinking a lot about what this team is and what they uh, what they are not after ten games because I, f- I feel like we can make a decent evaluation after ten games. I don't feel like we are in incredibly small sample size, and and, and I'll say I know this because this team really has played very consistently. Like the, this team has not radically changed game to game. Uh, the, the, the same players that play well one game are normally the same players that play well another game and vice versa. This is a turnover-prone team. They lose basketballs. This, in fact, they win and lose basketballs the same way. It's just a few plays here or there that have really made the difference uh, for this Hornets basketball team. Uh, but I, uh, they have confirmed for me, Walker, my initial hunch about this basketball team that they were not the miserable, putrid uh, abomination unto basketball that some some uh, prognosticators have made them out to be in the preseason. They're beating those expectations. They are not going to be the worst team in the NBA this season. The Knicks are. Again, I told you. I told you not to believe in the Knicks, Walker. You said you wanted to believe in the Knicks. I told you not to believe it's in funny the Knicks. You've been banging your go. drum. You, They're that's the one mixing th- it up once again. You've you've held on to that take as much as any take maybe you've ever held on to in oh, your life. Man. Like that one was really bothering you. And you've gone so far as to even text me about the Knicks and how bad they are. That was a take that you wanted to just hold on and flaunt as much as anything. Like this one has had a you've had a weird attachment to this take. I just go up to random strangers. Rangers uh, sometimes and say, have you seen the Knicks lately? They stink. I told you. They're like, "Uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. I told everybody the Knicks were going to be awful. I told everybody that the Hornets were going to be better than the Knicks. And here they are. Uh, To bring you down a little bit, though, the Cleveland Cavaliers have been better than expected. Cavaliers are four and five. Yeah, Colin Sexton's played well. I mean, Kevin Love. Well, that's, that's my whole thing, right? I mean, I'm just saying they I'm have a Kevin horn. Love. The Hornets don't have a Kevin Love. They don't have a Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. The, but the Knicks don't have anybody either. That's not, the Hornets are going to be a bottom five basketball team. You can you can stamp right. that. Uh, and and they have and here's the here's the thing, like they have options in in the trade market now. I think to get worse. Like they can get worse to get better. You know, they can move Malik Monk, who's playing a lot better right now. They can move Devontae Graham. Like this team is capable of removing talent in order to gain assets in a way that they haven't been in previous seasons, you know? I mean, we've chronicled the inability of the front office to move players on this team because nobody wanted our wares. <laughs> like, it's like it was like going to a fruit stand and all the fruit's rotten. Like, they just didn't want to buy anything that we were selling. Um, I think that's going to be different this season. They'll have that option available to them if they want to take it. So this team is going to be bad. I just want to let everyone know that <laughs> anyone who had hope after this. And, and but that's a good thing, I think that you don't you know, I, I wouldn't want this particular team that's not a very good basketball team to miraculously overperform and and deplete uh, any chance of them getting uh, a top three overall pick. I mean, that has to be the plan. 
Yeah, you keep bringing up the trade market more than anybody. And I know you're not necessarily saying sell, sell, sell. You're just giving the option that, hey, there is talent to be sold in a way that has not been here on, on contracts that are okay, that have not been here in the past couple of years. And I feel like you're really the only one, Doug, that's bringing that aspect of things up a little bit more. So I ask you, what is your thought process on like what value you would have to get in return for some of these guys? Are there guys that you would deem pretty much untouchable? Everybody has their price, but I can't imagine you moving a PJ Washington at this point. Are, are there any other guys that are no. not untouchable for you? I, I, what, what is your overall value of some of the other guys that you've mentioned? No, I don't think I don't think a PJ Washington is touchable at this point. I mean, that's a right. player you want to find out. You got to find out is this is this a star level rookie that we've hit on? We've we're we're, we're getting something from PJ that we didn't expect, and it's clear like he's he's the kind of player that's going to stick around in the NBA for a long time. And but what does that mean to this franchise? Is he is he a star level player? They still have to figure that out. Um, so I would but, think. But listen, players, I, I think you, I, I would say I would, I would think the three players that would most qualify for this conversation is Devonte Graham, PJ Washington, and Miles Bridges. Cause I think everybody else probably has a prize depending on what you think about Dwayne and Malik and those guys. I think if Monk continues this play, you suddenly throw him into the conversation. Well, I'm talking about guys that you would consider even the untouchable touchable conversation. Like I'm asking you, oh. who do the Hornets deem? It's going to take a lot to remove them from our roster. I would imagine PJ, Miles, and Devontae would be the only guys that are a part of that conversation. Yes, absolutely. And and again, I think Devontae for me is still on this he's still on this teeter totter of trying to figure out like is this is this for real or is this is this something that's a hot I mean, it feels like more than a hot streak, but at the same time, like is this is this a you know, a, a Steph Curry in the making? Like, is this just a crazy story of a guy that nobody really counted on to to play this well, suddenly playing this well? Or is is this a situation where um, this he's going to be a really good player, but we could probably get a, a ton of assets for him and and be okay in the future? I mean, that's those are the guys. I just, the only reason I'm bringing it up, Walker, honestly, is just to prepare fans because this, we're entering a whole new era of Hornets basketball that that we had that we have not been a part of maybe ever as as a fan base, and um, I think people are going to be surprised when certain players get moved for assets. Um, and I just want to prepare people now. <laughs> I'm, I'm performing a public service. The Devonte three. There was a couple threes against Philadelphia that made me shake my head. Like, oh, okay, that's confidence, and it doesn't seem like that's going away. Like just pulling from the hip, Devontae Graham. That that's a fun Devontae to watch, and he's shooting at a high clip this year. No, he's making he's making veteran yeah. moves. You know, like you know, going going in, driving the basketball, f forcing contact, and then still making the shot. Uh, just the way you position your body to do that, having the control to do that. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it seems for real. Uh, but then I think as a franchise, you have to make the determination again: is this is this a star level player in the making, or is this somebody that we can sell high? And, and wait for the crash. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. It's Rick Bennell tomorrow on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Mm -hmm.